<laughs> I'm clapping for you guys. I don't know what we're clapping for. I'll clap. All the kids, follow Miss Elaine. She is going to do children's church today, so if you're under this tall except for Mona, follow her. That's his, isn't it? Okay. Pastor Gary, I almost drank your water just now. They put that in front of me. Pastor Gary Blanchard is our assistant superintendent for the Illinois district. I remember the first conversation I had with him coming out of the Kentucky district because he said that your campground is basically the size of the bathroom in ours. <laughs> and, and having been to Carlinville, he's actually correct that the bathrooms probably have more space in them than our campgrounds did back in Kentucky. Illinois is a much larger district, um, but it has been such a blessing to come in and to be able to connect with the, with the leadership and with the ministers in Illinois. It, it's a good district. I like it. You know, so far, so good. I haven't had to, you know, go t- torches and pitchforks on anything. We're good, right? Um, but there is, a, there is a feeling of fellowship and cooperation in our district, and I love it, man. I love connecting with other people of God. I love connecting with other ministers because only we can whine to each other and really understand why we're whining about things, right? Um, and then they just kick in the tail and say, get back out there and do your job, Pastor, right? That's your job. So, Brother Gary Blanchard. Good morning. Ann and I are in a different church almost every week, and uh, oftentimes when we drive away, one of the first questions we will ask one another, we'll just kind of look at one another and ask the question, if I lived in this city, would I go to this church? And sadly, in many instances, we have to say no. I'll tell you what, this is a church I would come to each and every Sunday. What an awesome presence of the Word of God here this morning. Amen. Boy, I, it is, uh, Pastor, it's refreshing to come into a church service like this this morning to sense the presence of God and to not only sense the presence of God, but to hear God speak to us in the middle of a service. I'm so thankful I'm in a Pentecostal church and not some dead Presbyterian church this morning. Amen? I mean, I, it is just wonderful to be here. And uh, I am so thrilled to have this family in Illinois. And I, I do remember having a conversation with my counterpart in Kentucky um, as Pastor was thinking about moving here. And I I called my good friend Stan Holder, and I said, Stan, this guy's thinking about coming to Illinois. Are you sending us one of your best or one of your worst? (laughs) I mean, I I just want to know. And Stan said, I'm sending you one of my best. And uh, I believe that is true. You have a great pastor. We love them, and uh, boy, we commend you. Thank you for being here in, uh, in Illinois. Pastor said, I'm doing a series of messages on 10 questions that the world is asking the church and that the church should have answers to. And he said, you're you're free to speak on anything you want to speak on when you come. But he said, if if you want to join that stream, I would encourage you to come and join that stream. And I said, "I, I will join that stream. And as I began praying about a message for today, God led me to a passage of Scripture 
regarding broken dreams. Because I think one of the questions that the world is asking is, where is God when my world is turned upside down? Where is God in the middle of my pain? Does he even know that I'm going through this? Does he even care? Where is God in the middle of my family that is in the process of going through a divorce? Where is God in the middle of my financial bankruptcy? Where is God in the middle of a doctor's report that has given me a a dead end? Where is God in the middle of this? Doesn't God know I have hopes and dreams? And what does God do in the middle of that? And how does God respond in the middle of our broken dreams. I was uh, taken aback this morning when we sang the Lauren Daigle song about dry bones because that's exactly where God led me to this passage of Scripture. Um, I saw the copyright on that song was 2012, and uh, man, I've not been in a church where it's ever been sung before. And uh, to walk into this church this morning and to sing that song knowing that that's where God had led me, I just believe that God has a message for this church this morning, and God has a message for you. So open your Bibles, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 37. That's in the front portion of the book, if you don't know where it's at. And uh, you will find it in the front portion if you have a tree version Or if you have your electronic version, just type in Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning at verse 1, and we'll be there. It is so good for Ann and I this morning to see Sister Gloria Bordas. Gloria and her husband Morley were longtime members of our church when we pastored in St. Charles. And uh, it was always... Just a joy to see them. Each and every service, they were there. And I don't know if you know this, but Gloria can sing like an angel. And uh, it was always a blessing to hear her on a Sunday morning come and minister to us in music. And uh, Gloria, is so good to be back with you this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37, if you found it, say Amen. Now, I'm reading from the New International Version. I know that's not the one Paul used, but that's the one I'm using, okay? So, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, and if you haven't found it yet, the words will be up on the screen, and you can follow along there. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. 
And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, I was, as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. He was only 13 years old, and he had a great dream. His dream was to follow in his father's footsteps. His father was a priest in the temple, and he too wanted to be a priest in the temple. As a matter of fact, he came from a long line of priests. Not only was his father a priest, but his grandfather was a priest, and his grandfather's father was a priest. It was all he knew. And at the age of 13, he knew what God had placed in his heart. It was his dream. It was his hope. It was everything that he lived for. And the only thing holding him back from seeing that dream fulfilled was a little bit of education and waiting for him to reach the right age when he too could minister in the temple. But in one day, just like that, everything went up in smoke. King Nebuchadnezzar, in the year 980 before Christ, B.C., marched his army from Babylon to Jerusalem, from today's modern-day Baghdad to Jerusalem, and attacked the city of Jerusalem. And when he did, he tore down the walls of that city, the walls that had protected that city, the walls that had made this little boy feel like he was protected. Not only did they tear down the walls, they burned all the homes, including his, where he had been loved and nurtured and given a dream and a purpose. And then the army marched in and tore down the temple, the very temple where he hoped someday he would minister in. They tore down the temple, they grabbed some of the sacred vessels, they grabbed a bunch of people, and they marched them clear back across the desert to a little town located today about 100 miles south of Baghdad, Tel Abid. You'll find it earlier in Ezekiel. They moved them to that city. And that's where he was, this 13-year-old boy with a broken dream, a 
broken heart and thinking there would never be a future. They brought him with some of his friends. You, you'll recognize the name of some of his friends. Daniel was one of them. Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego were others of his friends. Jeremiah was his friend. And Ezekiel found himself in this refugee camp with every hope, every dream he ever had broken. Ever been there? Ever been in that place where you feel everything you had hoped for, everything you had planned for is now gone and there is no future? And you begin to struggle with the thought of, does God even know that I exist? Does God even know I'm here? Does God even know that I'm in the middle of this? I want you to note at the very beginning of this passage, note what it says at the very beginning. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. Ezekiel says, I thought God had forgotten me. I thought God didn't even know I existed. I thought God was not even aware of the mess that I was in, but his hand was upon me. Listen to me, church. No matter what it is you're going through, no matter how messed up your life may be, no matter how broken the dream may be, no matter how many pieces and how much garbage is surrounding you, I want you to know you are not forgotten by God. He knows where you are at. As a matter of fact, sometime later today, go read Jeremiah chapter 29. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody knows that, that passage of scripture. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. At the very beginning of that chapter, I believe it's in verse 4, Jeremiah 29 verse 4, the Lord says, I'm the one who allowed this to happen. See, sometimes we go through stuff because God is going to use it for a greater part of our plan that we don't even yet begin to understand. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? And so how do we respond when we are in the middle of a broken dream, surrounded with the rubbish of that brokenness all around us? How do we respond? I see three principles in this passage of Scripture. The first one is this. Go ahead, put it up. Here's the first principle. When your dreams are broken, never exchange the truth of your identity for the lie of your circumstance. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Let me say it again. When you, your dreams are broken and you are struggling, you're, you're in the middle of this difficult time, this difficult place, never exchange the truth of who you are in Christ, the truth of your identity. Never exchange it for the lie of your circumstance. Let me... Let me expand on that just a little bit. It, it is so easy when we're going through a difficult time to begin to believe, I'm never going to get out of this. 
Nothing is ever going to change. And we want to settle down and live right there. God takes Ezekiel into this valley of dry bones. I'll tell you what, when you're looking at the brokenness that is all around you, and you're looking at the hopelessness and the desperation, it appears like a valley of dry bones, and it appears like nothing is ever going to change. These were not bones like you get at the meat counter to give to your dog. You know, the ones that still have stuff on them. They weren't those kinds of bones. These were more like the dry bones you buy to give your dog. There was nothing on them. And when you're in that situation, that's how your life appears. And it's very easy to fall into an attitude that says, nothing is ever going to change. I am here forever and the enemy would love nothing more than to have us exchange the truth of who we are in Christ for the lie of our circumstance and our surroundings that make sense to anybody I I I find myself there and I and and forgive me for not putting some of these scriptures up on the scene on on the screen I'm I'm just going to give them to you and for those of you who are who are taking notes, you, you, you may want to write some of these down. These are scriptures that I encourage myself with when, when I get to that place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Paul says that when we come into that faith relationship with Jesus Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. He says we are new creations. See, when, when you're standing in the middle of a broken dream, it's easy for the enemy to play with your mind and say, you know what, the reason why you're in this mess is because of all the sin that you lived in in the past. The reason why you're in this mess is because of the brokenness of your past. And at that moment, I, I just want to wake up and say, wait a minute, that's not who I am in Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that because of my relationship with Jesus, the old is gone and I am a brand new creation. And then I tag on to that Psalm 103. Because in Psalm 103, listen to this, this is what the psalmist says. He says, God has taken my past and he's put it as far away from me as the east is from the west. God says, you know that past that the enemy wants to bring up? That past that the enemy wants to remind you of? God says, no, listen, here's what I've already done with that. I've already taken it, and I've already put it as far away from you as the east is from the west, and I have made you a brand new creation. You are brand new in Christ. You've got a clean sheet of paper. You've got a fresh start. I am the God of the do-over. I am the God of the second chance, and I'm giving you a new beginning. Go for it. Don't lug that stuff around. But when we're in the middle of the brokenness, it's so easy for us to exchange the truth of our identity and who we are in Christ for the lie of the circumstance that's around us. Or how about this one? How about uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul says this. He says, We have been redeemed from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. 
can't, I, I, I just, in my own mind, I'm a little weird, a little strange. I see things in my mind. I mean, I, I just see that. I, I see what Paul is saying played out in my life. God has lifted me up out of the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought me over into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. I've been transported out of one and into the other. And when my mind and the enemy wants to say, hey, wait a minute, you know the brokenness you're experiencing? You know the pain that you're experiencing? Well, it's all because of the past. I'm going to go, no, wait a minute. God's taken my past. He's put it as far away from me as the east is from the west. He has made me a brand new creation. And not only that, he's taken me up out of the kingdom of darkness and he's put me into the kingdom of his son. I love Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, now I am a child of almighty God. And as a child of almighty God, I am a joint heir to all that Jesus has for me. I can get excited about that stuff come on i'm so thankful there's one person here who took their vitamins this morning some of you look like you still need to take your metamucil for the day i mean you look like you're in pain holding it all in come on never exchange the truth of who you are for the lie of your circumstance Now watch this, principle number two. Principle number two. When your dreams are broken, in your caught, in what I will call creative tension, I'll define that in a moment. Listen for a fresh word from God. When your dreams are broken, and you're caught in creative tension, listen for a fresh word from God. How many of you have a rubber band? Everybody have a rubber band? How many of you didn't shoot somebody <laughs> with your rubber band this morning? Shame on them, Pastor. I, it wasn't the kids. Hey, no, it wasn't the kids. It was everybody in here. Everybody's going, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Man, it wasn't the kids who shot it, and it's the kids who are saying it's not them. Who did it? I don't know. Take your rubber band in one hand, take it with the other, and begin to stretch it as far as you can. Do you feel the tension? you feel the tension in the rubber band? That's what I call creative tension. That is creative tension. Now let it go. Watch this. Hold it with one hand, just one hand. That is your current reality. That's your current reality. That's that's what it is you're dealing with. That's the, the mess of your life. That's creative reality. Now grab it with the other hand. I'm calling that the vision of God and begin to stretch it out. Stretch it out as far as you can. Do, do, you, do you sense the tension? You sense that tension. You see, that, that's exactly where Ezekiel is. God, by the Spirit of the Lord, takes him into this valley of dry bones. 
That's his current reality. He's in this valley of completely dry bones. And the sovereign Lord says to him, Do you think these bones can live? Ah, now I've got God's vision. But I'm now caught in this tension. I've got this tension in my life. I want to believe what God says. I want to believe his word, but yet I'm I'm living in my current reality. It's a mess. It's all around me. Go back to the text. Watch what Ezekiel says. God says, Ezekiel, this is your current reality. It's a valley of dry bones. Do you think they can live? Here's vision. Here's a God vision. And Ezekiel says, I really don't know. Only you do. And the next verse says, then the Lord said. Listen to me. When we are living in this tension of current reality versus the vision that God has for our life, we need to stop and listen for a fresh word from God. Everybody say listen. We need to listen. Say it again. We need to listen for a fresh word from God. Why? Watch this. Because if I don't get a fresh word from God, I'm going to let go of the vision and I end up dying in my current reality. Don't believe me? Go back and read Numbers chapter 13. God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to take one person from each family of the 12 tribes. And I want you to send them to go spy out the land. It's the land that I'm giving you, Moses. We've already talked about this. I've already said to you that wherever your feet trod, I'm going to give you that land. I'm going to give you the victory. And Moses, I want you to send one person from each family of the 12 tribes to go check it out and have them bring back a report. And they come back, and this is the report. Yeah, here's the current reality. It is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, just like God said it was. And here is some of the fruit that is produced in that land. That's the current reality. That's where we are. And God has already said, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to, wherever your feet go, it's yours. That's the God vision. But now they say, but God, but guys, listen, when we were there, we saw the Anakites and we saw the Parasites and we saw the Canaanites and we, you know, we, we saw the Parasites. We, we saw them all and they're bigger than us. As a matter of fact, we appeared like grasshoppers before them. Numbers chapter 14 says everybody began to grumble against Moses. Here's what happened. They let go of the God vision. Except for two, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua said, oh no, this is a God vision. God has told us this. This is what we're going to do. They had a whole of a God vision. They didn't care about the current reality. They said, this is the vision that God has given us. But the other 10, 
caused the heart of the people to fear. And what happened? They let go of the God vision. How many of them, trivia question, how many of them made it into the promised land? None. They all died in the desert. You see, we live in this tension. The tension of my current reality against the tension of the vision that God, the fresh word that God has put in my heart. In the moment that I let go of that word, I'm going to end up dying in the current reality of my situation. And God says, no, I want you to hang on to the vision. Ezekiel says, but God, there are bones all over the place. They're dead bones. You know, there's a, there's a knee bone over here, and there's a femur over there, and there's a skull over here, and a shoulder bone over here. And God, it, it's a mess. And God says, do you think they can live? There's a vision. Do you think they can live? Ezekiel, do you think your dream will ever be fulfilled? Do you think you will ever go back to Jerusalem? Do you think you will ever minister in the temple? Do you think that messed up marriage can ever come back together again? Do you think God can move in the middle of those hard-headed, hard-hearted people? Do you think God can move in the middle of your prodigal children's situation? Do you think God can move in the middle of your financial situation? Do you think God can move in your employment situation? Do you think God can move in your neighborhood? Do you think God can move in your life? Do you think God can move in your medical situation? Do you think God can move in the middle of it? Yeah, that's my current reality. I know the kids are divorced. I know the grandkids are drinking and doing drugs. I know they are bound up in chains. I know what the report says. That's my current reality. But I got this vision from God. I've got a vision from God. He's a God of healing. He's a God of restoration. He's a God who changes not. He's the God who is able to do immeasurably more than what I might ask or imagine. He is a God who is faithful, who will not leave me. He is still a prayer answering God today. And I'm hanging on to that vision. Come on, when you're in the middle of the valley of bones and you're hanging on to your current reality, I'm telling you, you've got to grab hold of that vision. But listen to me, it's a God-given vision. Do you hear me? It's a God-given vision. It's not the kind of vision that you get by eating a jalapeno pepper pizza and drinking a liter of Pepsi and going to bed at night. That's not a vision, that's a nightmare. Okay, and at my age, it's indigestion <laughs> and reflux and all of those wonderful things you get as you get older. That's not a vision. I'm talking about getting a whole of the mind of God. Ezekiel says, God, I, I don't know if this thing can work. God, I, I don't know if this thing can change, but I know you can. I know you've got an answer. And God said, in the middle of the creative tension. I love what Pastor said. And Pastor, I'm going to take that as a prophetic word, which you said this morning. This church is on the cusp of a miracle. 
you are on the, I mean, I sense it. I, when Ann and I walked in, we, we walked down the aisle over to here. Ann said to me, there is, as a matter of fact, we were standing at the sound booth, those two guys back there, those two good-looking guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the two of you, yeah, I'm talking to the two of you. Yeah, they're looking around, you know, where... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not talking about some of the ugly people in the room. I'm talking about you two guys back there. They overheard the comment and said, there's a lot of energy in this room. You, you don't walk into a dead church and sense energy. You walk into an alive church. And, and I, I sense, as I said, I'm, I'm taking that as a prophetic word this morning, Pastor. This church is on the verge of a miracle, mighty miracle. That's the tent, yeah, but you don't know. We've just got, you know, these people and, you know, that's, no, that's your current reality. But God has a vision. That's the tension that we live with day in and day out. And when your dreams are broken and you're caught in this tension, we need to listen for a fresh word from God. How many of you believe God still speaks today? Amen? We, I just need to listen to a fresh word from God. Joseph had a fresh word from God. In Genesis 37, Joseph says to his brothers and the rest of the family, Hey guys, I had a dream. And guess what? You're all going to bow down before me someday. And they went, fat chance, dude. And the next thing you know, he's sold into slavery. Go back and, and read through the whole story because it says the Lord was with him. Joseph says, I know I'm sold into slavery. That's my current reality. But I got this vision. God, God's going to use me someday. And he hung on to that vision, and the Lord was with him. And you, you know the story. He ends up in prison for an attempted sexual attack, falsified, made up, and he's thrown into prison. That's his current reality. I'm in jail. But he says, I've got a vision. And go back and read the passage. And it says, the Lord was with him. I've got this vision. I'm not letting go. I'm caught in this tension right now. This tension of my current reality and my God vision. But God is with me. And then he begins to interpret a few dreams in, in the prison. Everybody thinks, wow, he is a man of God. But everybody gets released except for Joseph. I know I'm still here, but I still got this vision that God gave me. You know the story. Finally, he comes out. He's made number two in the kingdom. His brothers come before him, and he says, listen, current reality, you guys intended this for my harm, but God had a vision, and God intended it for good. I had a word from God, and I hung on to that word through the whole thing. I gave you a rubber band this morning, not so you could fling it at somebody. But I want you to remember creative tension between your current reality, where you're at, and the dream that God has for you. And in the middle of that creative tension, listen for a word from God. Ezekiel said, God, or God said to Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? Ezekiel said, I really don't know. Current reality. 
But God, you know. The God vision. And God speaks. Listen. Never confuse the journey that you're going through with the destination that God has for you. Oh, that's good. That, I'm, I'm going to say that's even anointed. Somebody needs to write that down. Never confuse the journey that you are experiencing or going through with the final destination that God has for you. Creative tension, my current reality, and the vision that God has. One more point, and I'm going to close with this one. Here's the third one. Number one, when your dreams are broken, never exchange the truth of your identity, who you are in Christ, for the lie of your circumstance. Number two, when your dreams are broken and you find yourself in the middle of creative tension, listen for a fresh word from God. And then number three, when your dreams are broken, it's time to begin to speak the unstoppable truth of God's word. Boy, you're, you're a great con- congregation. I see Bibles opened all over the place. That's a good sign, Pastor. In a lot of churches, people don't even bring Bibles anymore. But you, you've got Bibles open. Just, just take a note of a couple of, of verses of Scripture. Look, verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God says, listen, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak my word to these bones. Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. Ezekiel says, I got a word from God. Point number two. Listen for that word. I got a word from God. And then I began to speak the word that God gave me. When when your dreams are broken, that's the time to begin speaking the unstoppable word of Almighty God. Look, keep keep reading all the way down. Uh, Then he said to me, verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Ezekiel says, okay, God, I did what you said, but, you know, they got skin and, and, and tendons and muscle, and, but they're not moving. They're all there. So in verse number 9, he says, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Look what happens, verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. He did exactly what God asked him to do. You see, when I'm caught in this tension of my current reality and what it is that God wants me to do, I need to listen for a fresh word from God. And when I've got that fresh word from God, I need to begin speaking truth to the lie of my circumstance. I'm going to close with the scripture. Put it up on the, on the screen. Out of the book of Romans, chapter number 4 beginning in verse number 18. Romans chapter 4, verse 18.
This, this has got to be my favorite faith-building verses of Scripture. These are my favorite faith-building verses of Scripture. Watch this. Watch this. Look at it. Against all hope. Everybody say that with me. Against all hope. Does that sound like a valley of bones to you? Does that sound like nothing is going to happen? Does that sound like this marriage is done and over? Does this sound like my kid is an alcoholic or my kid is overdosing on drugs? Does this sound like a prodigal situation? Does this sound like the banker who just said, I'm going to foreclose on your financial situation? Does this sound like the boss who just pounded his desk and said, grab your jacket and get out of here, you're done? Does this sound like a hopeless situation against all hope? Say it with me again. Against all hope. Now look at the next words. Abraham... In hope, believed. Woo! I love that. I love the way Paul says that. Come on, let's say that whole phrase together, shall we? Abraham, in hope, believed. Abraham said, wait a minute. Hey, it looks like I'm dead here. It looks like this is all done. It looks like none of this is ever going to happen. But against all hope, in hope, and by the way, hope here, does not mean, you know, the way we use it today. Oh, I hope you have a good day. You know, I hope the sun shines today. Sure hope it doesn't rain. Sure hope the, car, the cubs can do it again. You know, it's not that kind of hope. Hope, the word hope that we translate hope comes from a Greek word that means a steadfast confidence. Abraham had this steadfast confidence. Abraham and hope believe and so became the father of many nations. Why? Just because it had been said of him, aha, he had a word. He had a word. All the way back in Genesis chapter 15, an angel shows up at his tent, knocks on the door, and says, Abraham, let me in. The angel is the Lord himself. And he says, Abraham, come out here. Take a look at the sky. You see all the stars up here in the sky? Abraham, your descendants will be more numerous than those, sky, than those stars. See all the grains of sand here? Your descendants will be more numerous than these grains of sand. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Why? Because he had a fresh word from God. In that moment of creative tension, Abraham said, I'm, I'm not going to let this rubber band go. I'm not going back to my current reality. Instead, I'm going to hang on to the word that God has given me against all hope. Against all hope. I love verse 19. Look at verse 19. It, it sort of explains his situation. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Is that against all hope? Come on. That's against all hope, man. Had Sarah looking at Abraham and saying, Abraham, chance we're going to have a kid, fat chance. There's snow on the mountain and there's no fire in the fireplace. Ain't going to happen. No way, dude. But he didn't give it up. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. Have you, have you guys been to Babies R Us? You have, huh? Is that fun, going to Babies R Us? I mean... I would have loved 
to have been the clerk waiting on Abraham and Sarah <laughs> when they came to Babies R Us. You know, most of those clerks are 18, 19s, know nothing, you know? They're, they're, all, they're all there, and I can see one of those kids just, hey, welcome, welcome to Babies R Us. What can I help you with? Well, I, we need everything for a newborn, you know? We need, we need diapers, and, and, you know, we need, we need crib, and we need that changing table thing, and, oh, we're going to need a swing, and we're going to need that little bouncy thing, and, and we're going to need a... Str- oh, wonderful, is this... For, is, is your grandson having a baby? No, my grandson's not having a baby. Is, is, so surely your, your youngest son's having a baby. No, not my youngest son. I would have loved to have seen the face on that clerk when Abraham said, no, Sarah and I, we're having a baby. <laughs> he would have said, what? You two old people? I mean, how, how does that happen, <laughs> you know? I would have loved to have been there for that conversation. Abraham says, against all hope, I realize nothing makes sense. The world says, what do you do when your dreams are broken because nothing makes sense? Against all hope, Abraham, in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. He had That word from God, even though his body was old, he knew, he knew God's going to do this. And I love the last portion of this piece of scripture. Uh, Look look what it says. Verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, here it comes, and gave glory to God. He began speaking that word. God, this is what you said. I'm believing it. I'm going to be the father of many nations. God, I'm going to give you the glory for it. I'm going to thank you for the promise you gave me. I'm going to thank you for the word that's alive in my heart. I'm going to thank you for what you've said. Look, verse 21, being fully persuaded. Oh, I love this. That God had the power to do what he had promised. Woo! Wait, wait, wait a minute. Nothing makes sense here. That's okay. I'm going to speak his word. I'm going to give him praise and I'm going to give him glory. Why? Because he has the power. Yeah, well, that's not what the attorney said. I don't care what the attorney said. He doesn't have the last word. My God has the last word. Well, that's not what the doctor, I don't care what the doctor said. My God has the last word. Well, that's not what the judge said. I don't care what the judge said. My God has the last word. I am fully persuaded that he has the power to do what he promised. Pastor, can you get the worship team back up here? There's just something about getting our broken dreams, our brokenness before the Lord. I'm, I'm going to, I apologize. I should have done this before service, and I didn't. But I'm sure you know that old chorus, um, I Surrender All. You guys know that song. See, I, I think there comes a point in our life when we need to do exactly what Ezekiel did. God, I'm, 
I'm not sure. My, my life is surrounded by broken pieces. My dream went up in smoke the day they tore the walls down, destroyed my house, and destroyed the temple. I, I don't know if I will ever be a priest. And God says, Ezekiel, come with me. Come with me. Take a look at this valley. It's not a pretty sight. And maybe that's how you feel about the brokenness in your life. It's not a pretty sight. But God is asking you the same question this morning that he asked Ezekiel. Do you think I'm able to do something in the middle of this? And maybe your faith is exactly where Ezekiel's faith is this morning. God, I really don't know. And God says, listen, I've got a fresh word for you. I've got a fresh word for you. I, I love the way the, end, the passage ends. Here's, here's how it ends. He says... This is what the Sovereign Lord says, verse 12 of Ezekiel 37. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. God says, I'm going to take you out of this mess. And then he says, I will put my spirit in you. And you will live. God said, I've, I've got a fresh start for you. I've got a new beginning for you. I believe somebody in this room needs to hear that word this morning. I, I just believe that God put that word on my heart today for this church and for you. Somebody in here needs to hear this, that even though there are broken pieces all around your life, even though you find yourself in that creative tension, don't let go of the vision and the word that God has for you. Hang on. Begin to speak God's word of truth. Sometimes we need to do what Ezekiel did that day. Say, God, I'm surrendering it all to you. I'm just giving it all to you. And I'd like us to do that. Would, would you just sing that old chorus with me? I'm, I'm the world's worst chorus leader. So whoever has a strong voice up here, you know, you, you, you just begin to, I'm, I'm even going to go to my iPad to get the words because otherwise I'm in trouble. Let's go.